You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to the Rouge, White, and Blue. Happy post-4th of July. Happy post-Canada Day to our listeners. My name's Oz Davis. I'll be the co-host of the show. And joining me, as always, is my co-host back from Montreal and returning to Wisconsin to join us on the show. Joe, how did it go? I am full of crepes, poutine, and happiness. Oh, great. Great. Well, yeah, happiness. We don't need to talk about that too, too much. But (laughs) no, kidding, kidding. So, um... I'm living through you vicariously, Joe. Uh, I am going to Europe in 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 August, but goddamn, if the tickets weren't so expensive, they'd preclude me from traveling anywhere else uh, before getting overseas. So, I'm living vicariously through you. Tell us about the trip. Well, I'll just keep it. I'll keep it rather short because we're here to talk about football mostly. But we did uh, we did our sightseeing. Uh, we got in on Thursday, left on Monday morning, like first thing. Uh, so we had three and a half solid days of um, excitement. Uh, hit old Montreal up on Friday for the second time. We were there last year as well, well. But this time we had a clue of what we were doing, so it helped. So we knew what to look for, what we wanted to do, what we wanted to do there instead of just going, oh, let's go over there and just wander around for eight hours like we did last year. Uh, so we did we did make plans to see Cirque du Soleil on Friday night. That was an amazing show. Uh, then Saturday was uh, dedicated to football for the most part, and for, or football and friends. Uh, so we saw Brandon, one of our listeners from pretty much the beginning, um, he's a Montreal season ticket holder from New Hampshire and uh, bumped into me last nice. year at the game. So this year we made plans to get together and had a really nice time uh, b- beforehand. Uh, then we took a break from took a break from that to fill in some time Saturday afternoon, wandered around the old Olympic Stadium and the environs uh, thereof, just seeing what was going on. I uh, was hoping to hop into the Biodome, but it was a very popular idea that day. So mm-hmm. we decided just to Go back, kick back for a little bit, and uh, stop it, and just stop and have a drink and a snack. And uh, met uh, Jeff from Ottawa, who was my tour guide in Ottawa or at the Ottawa Stadium last year. And then I bumped into Chris from Ottawa, who is obviously a Bomber fan. Uh, came up to Montreal to see the game. Uh, Commissioner Kayla from the Turf District was with him. Uh, if you want to hear about her adventures, just listen to their show at the beginning. Uh, just had a wonderful time uh, running around and bumping into people that I've seen at Great Cups and other places. And then uh, just about as it uh, was, a, I would say, a half hour before the game or so, we got nailed by thunderstorms. <laughs> so I got to spend 90 minutes underneath, uh, underneath the concourse of getting to know uh, Montreal or get to know Percival Molson Stadium at a very intimate level. Uh, thankfully, there were two dollar hot dogs. Nice. So that made it, that made it a little bit less of a pain. And then sat through the rain and watched the game. 
And remember, kids, hot dog in French is le hot dog. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, this spurs a whole bunch of questions, and I'm going to ask you these in reverse order um, as as from what you just recanted, Joe. All right. So at this time of the season, of course, this tends to happen. We get one of these uh, thunderstorm delays of a CFL game. But my question, Joe, is why the hell is it always your team? You guys are either bringing it or hosting it. You're always there. It's all, I, lightning rods. Those helmets, those see. golden helmets, right? Do you They're remember, though, the one, the one CFL game that's ever been cut short by a thunderstorm delay was the Riders at Montreal. Okay. Yep. So maybe it's maybe okay. your team's involved in this a little bit, too. I don't know. I was just thinking about that. I, I, you know, the game is going on. You know, again, it was the typical thing. I click onto the stream. It's like 4.20 and they're still in the studio. I'm like, hmm, maybe they're just starting at 4.30 because sometimes they do that. It was like, no, they're still going. And then finally they, they say, oh yeah, it's raining or they show some interview in the rain or whatever. And then it hit me. I was like, oh wow, Joe's there. <laughs> He's getting rained on. Oh, that poor guy. I um, got rained out on the walk to the stadium. Yeah. And probably about the end of the third quarter on, but actually managed to say semi-dry, which is remarkable considering. Okay. Let me ask you this. Uh, you said you went to go check out what's happening at Expo Stadium. What is happening at Expo Stadium? Well, out there, um, we... We just kind of wandered around. Uh, there's a biodome out there and a botanical right. garden, but the weather wasn't well. It wasn't in the in a good condition to go wander around the botanical garden, uh, which I kind of had in the back, my back pocket for the whole weekend. It just never actually got to. Yeah. Um, and the biodome is nearby too. Planetarium, all in the same neck of the woods. There's still a lot going on over there. Uh, actually, underneath the big tower. We were we poked our heads in and saw that they still had the Olympic sized swimming pool and mm, had, we're, nice. we're still making use of that at least. So it's not all it it's not all a waste over there. Right, yeah, sure. Yeah. I was just well, I mean, you just in America, you just don't hear about it anymore, right? If there's not an American sports team playing there, you're not gonna hear about it. And you know, I know that's that's a you know, like any sports stadium in North America, it's in, you know, a well trafficked area, right? That's the idea, right? Usually. I mean, unless you're BC place. But <laughs> you know, typically you're in the area. So I was just curious. What uh do you happen to know what part of New Hampshire is Brandon from? I heard the name of the town, but it's not sticking in my head. I don't think he's all the way south, though. I think he's a little bit further north in New Hampshire. So I can hook you two up because I know you're from New Hampshire, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's this guy. He's a he's a longtime listener to the show. He's an Alouettes fan. He's from New Hampshire. Are you sure he's not me at this point? Yeah. I'm like... <laughs> I can pretty much confirm it's not you unless okay. you're sending me a different video. Because okay. <laughs> believe it or not, I, I, I don't know if our listeners know this or not. We have not actually crossed paths physically ourselves, have we? Nope. Nope. And I don't know when, I don't know when it might happen next, but someday that things things to aspire to. Um what's the last one? Did you get any sense of 
like sort of the I don't know the effect of the Alouettes or their place in the consciousness out there. I mean, like, I, like, is it in the newspaper? Is it? Are people talking about it? Are people like? Is there tailgating? I mean, like, there is a tailgate outside. Okay. It's a, it's a, a there's a tailgate area that has host seems to host the same tailgate that we were at for both the years, but we only stuck stuck by for a few minutes each time. Um, but yeah, there's tailgating area. Uh, I did see one Alouettes banner. Oddly enough, like. I think it's about four miles away at Olympic Stadium. The one banner I right. saw was out that way, which is like four hours to the northeast. Pretty much straight along the river. If you drew a line, if you drew a line of the river and then had a one parallel about a mile west, it seems to be there's they're on the same plane about. Okay. All right. And I'm sure someone could correct me because I'm yeah. I'm just what, what what's going off, on but... there. Nowadays, I mean MLS probably. Yeah, there's actually a soccer stadium, but I mean up, they don't have their hockey's done. So like, what what is what is Montreal is not the world's greatest sports city, but I mean, like, did you get any idea? Like, there's a what jazz festival going right on downtown now. now. I mean, there's a jazz festival going on downtown. That was the big deal. Montreal. Just the just the fact that just the fact that it's a multicultural city was yeah. very apparent. Yeah. So. It's it's one of those places that doesn't seem to need that to give the to give this city a heartbeat. It's oh, already sure. there. Sure. So it's nice that they it's nice that they have these things, but it's not the thing that makes the city tick. Oh no, no, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. Not not at all. Not at all. It, it's I've said it many times. I mean, to me, it's the most European feeling city in north america i mean unless you're talking about quebec city which is wow i mean that might as well be in france but um in that yeah it's about the culture and the nightclubs and the and the you know planetariums and things like that as much if not more usually more than the sports you know in america we're good at sports that's one of the highlights of our culture where we created baseball and basketball and american football we're good at that right but you know um just in europe it's just not as important now it is way more community involved right it's a way more center of the community but it's just not high in the cultural pecking order um out there so and i think montreal's like that too um but good to see that the alouettes faithful are still loud and strong um all right so any takeaways from the massive three games for you i think we still have our three-tier system going on but it's going to take longer into the season to determine the pecking order in those three spots so the any given Sunday thing goes both ways, as BC has shown. Yes, but. <laughs> um, okay, here's my takeaway. Here's my takeaway. It looked like, even going into the season, but over the first couple of weeks, it looked like this season was going to be about who's going to get in Winnipeg's way. But now, over four weeks, it seems to have shifted to who among Winnipeg and BC is going to survive to play Toronto? Who's going to be the favorites in the Grey Cup? 
I mean, because, and here's the thing. I believe that we really can start talking about Toronto as favorites to win the Grey Cup right now. Because look, the thing is, they've already, already now, they've played three games. They've got this nice hole between them and Montreal. And oh yeah, Ottawa and Hamilton are also in this division. You know, here's here's Toronto's schedule for, for beginning this week. Beginning this week. It's by <laughs> at Montreal, at Hamilton, versus Saskatchewan, at Calgary, versus Ottawa. Bye. Okay, so that's what? Four and one? Maybe three and two? And unless <laughs> both Ottawa and Montreal are the two losses in there, that's a, what, three and a half game lead at minimum. Already. Mm-hmm. Going into like week eleven, I mean that's it. I mean it's it's almost over. If Montreal can win this time this week against Toronto, I'm uh, sorry, next week against Toronto, okay, maybe it's still a race. But otherwise, you might as well just pencil them in right now, right? For the I mean, final anyway. And also, they're really really good too. By the way, this is an awesome team. If this were an NFL team. This would be the kind of team that wants to trade for Aaron Rodgers. This would be the kind of team that wants Tom Brady to come out of retirement because they're the team that has everything except the quarterback, right? And the quarterback's okay. I mean, this is like a team that won the Great Cup a year too early, and now this is the team that was supposed to win the Great Cup. You know, it's just like, wow, wow. I mean, an impressive, impressive win by them. And they are clearly right now, and I don't – Again, I don't see how it stops the class of the CFL right now. Yes, so far. Um, yeah, 3-0 is very, very clearly um, a good thing. They seem and to have two games of 40 everybody's, points Yep. They seem to have answered people's questions about how Chad Kelly fits. I like how Ryan Didwitty is coaching the games and getting and putting him in situations to succeed. And his defense has really, really backed him up last yeah. week to put him in a lot of positions to, to succeed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, right now they're, they're number one. And I don't think there's any question about it. Yeah. Also, it's week four. So, yeah, but see, again, left. but again, but again, if they do what they're supposed to do, even with an upset or two along the way, by week 11, they could start Johnny, Johnny Manziel the rest of the way and they'll make the playoffs. They'll probably still be number one in the East. I mean, how good can Ottawa get this year? Nine and nine? That's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. No, no. I, you could you you can actually see Montreal potentially being there. Yeah, of they course, had oppor- they had well, opportunities in this game the, this past week that they did yeah. decided not to take advantage of, but they could you know with the right situation with the right bounces they they could be a decent number two instead of just being there as number two. Well, at least their team hasn't quit on the quarterback, as is the case, I believe, in Edmonton. After first game of the week, Ottawa Redblacks 26, Edmonton 7. Um, Wow. Okay, at this point, the 2023 Edmonton Elks are starting to remind me 
of what that great 2015 Saskatchewan Riders team. Now, that was the first season, I believe, that we covered from the go, Joe. No, we and... co- we covered the end of 15 and then started right. in 16. Yeah, right. OK, right. And because I do remember at one point during that season, there was a point where the two receivers were running crossing routes in the end zone and they ran into each other. Okay. The 23 Elks are basically at this point right now. They may lose a few more. Those riders started 0 and 9, but that's what they look like. I mean, my God, this team went what? Seven, eight quarters without scoring a touchdown. They, they, they're facing up against the team, the Red Blacks this week, who hadn't scored a touchdown on offense or defense going into this week, and they still get 26 against them. I mean, this is a team that is comically small on defense, so much so that Chris Jones did kind of an underhanded thing. I... I it wasn't really it's kind of showmanship where I know you didn't see the game live and I'm sure it didn't make the highlight reel where he subbed in his defensive line to play offensive line on second and short. And guess what? Dege got hit for a loss on that. Right. But the point was he was doing it because the Ottawa defense is so undersized. And they still couldn't do anything. By the fourth quarter, the team had quit on Daggy. And I and I just wanted to ask you. So so is Edmonton looking at its second quarterback in two weeks to be just eliminated? No, I don't think they cut a, a raw rookie because his start didn't go okay. so hot. Okay. Now, so he, he's no. not gone, but he may be on the practice squad at this point. Well, they're carrying three quarterbacks now. So... Right. It's fine. Right. Mm-hmm. So back to Taylor Cornelius. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Not they got to buy. Not that he got a whole buy. lot of, a whole lot of opportunity at the beginning of this year, but we also did see him for much of last year too. So we know, we know what's there. We know that there's something there. Really. It'd be nice to see, put him in a real offense instead of what they have in Edmonton and see if he can actually play, but it is what it is at this point. They're just going to scuffle all year. Chris Jones did, find, did not find the right pieces to put around like the 10 core players he decided to carry over from last year to this year. Got a lot I, of talent, burning a lot of talent in free agency too. They don't fit. Something's wrong and it can't all be on the talent. Something's wrong. There's a pall over this team. <laughs> you know, I mean, people are seriously talking on Twitter about how they need another name change. I mean, come on now. I mean, there's just that nobody can explain the malaise that's over this team. And I did want to point this out, too, as another parallel to those old failing riders teams of a few years back. You know, hey, by the way, Chris Jones won a great cup. Um, I'm not sure it's going to matter for much longer. I mean, I don't I don't think they can really fire Jones in this season. But, man. I mean, like, they got to be. Something's got to give because he's on four one-year contracts instead of a four-year deal. So if something doesn't give this year and they end up 3-15, 4-14, or 
you know, if they're a little bit better than that and they're showing improvement at the end of the year, maybe he's okay. But a record like that, again, isn't going to really inspire any confidence going forward. Not at all. Now, meanwhile, here are the poor Red Blacks. <laughs> in the late in the game, one of the last plays of the game, Tyree Adams got taken out by uh, Jake uh, Ceresna and uh, just came across a few hours ago on Wednesday afternoon, let's say, as we record this, that Tyree Adams is now out for the year. And here we were in the fourth quarter. They're like, well, hey, maybe Tyree Adams can buy another week. <laughs> you know, maybe he can start again next week and you know, we can wait another week to bring back some injured guys and whatnot. You know, give him some more time off. But nope, nope, gone for the season. And like, I mean, just, I mean, what's wrong with Ottawa? Is Ottawa cursed now too? Again, you wonder, you wonder if Burris sold his soul for this team's success <laughs> for those couple of years. You wonder, as an expansion team, because, man, since then, since those wacky Super Bowl appearances, wow, wow, just nothing has gone right in Ottawa. Yeah, I think they've had one winning record in my lifetime in Ottawa. <laughs> but two great cup appearances. <laughs> yes and a victory while we're at right. it no three three appearances oh that's right yep 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 because they were right. there in 18 as well that's right yep <laughs> fantastic and then the wheels came off right right now they looked like the renegades now they looked like the expansion team they were supposed to be when they were winning gray cups you know it's like and burris was like lighting it up um but that was back when Bo Levy Mitchell was in Stampede, right? So the second game of the week was, of course, the one that Joe attended. <laughs> Do I even need to talk about this score? Uh, one thing I should say, one thing I wanted to say about this score first thing off is that uh, this is the most disappointed I've been in my team scoring three points since the Rams were losing 13-3 to in the Super Bowl. I mean, wow. Just what a bummer. You know, last week... I was I was watching Vernon Adams, you know, and then I was watching our guy, our guy in Montreal. And this was when we were winning. So this was last week. And I was like, you know, to myself, the the having the gunslinger is fine and all that. You know, it's it's great. It's exciting. You know, you score a lot of points, but you know, you get a lot of those, you know, choking picks and whatever. It's it, Sometimes it's nice to have the Roethlisberger type, you know, that can take a lot of hits, get back up, not do anything exciting, you know, just be consistent and whatnot. And I still feel that way, but geez, I wish our quarterback was better. <laughs> I do. Yeah, there were a few opportunities left on the yeah. table. Uh, but yeah. as far as the game felt, the Bombers took the ball at the beginning and never really gave up control. They ran a very conservative plan because they were down a couple of receivers. Nick Dempke stayed home uh, because his first child was on the way. So really good reason to stay home, if you ask me. Um, yeah, Answer so that down. fantasy question, too. Yeah, sure did, didn't it? <laughs> I had, I, thankfully, Damn I had it. time to make the switch. Um, it worked out for me, actually. But 
Yeah. They didn't have a, a and they had to sit Agadosi. Uh, I believe he was nicked up some, and they also had to shuffle the ratio a bit with Dembski being out. So they had a very they had a very conservative game plan, and they ran it to perfection. One one interception off of a tip pass, that's going to happen. But they had control. They moved the ball up and down the field the whole game. They had the bobble at the end of the first half as far as putting up an extra three points in the half. But, I mean, I can count the critical mistakes they made on one hand, which is always a good thing. Yes. Yeah, that was the thing. I mean, this is, you know, this this, this showed why the Bombers are to be feared. You know, this they're not. I also want to point out something, too, is we had the feel on the radar uh, it looked like we may have more storms coming in about mid third quarter thunderstorms. Mm. Those slid south, thankfully. But had they done so, I was watching that. I was watching for seven thirty on the clock in the third quarter as kind of the magic number as to when a game was official. Oh right! And it seemed like the bomber coaches were doing that too, because they stopped. Yeah. They stopped any pretense of going long, and they moved the ball efficiently, chewed up clock, and got to around that. You know, Burned, burned a bunch of time on the first drive of the second half. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, again, like you have to marvel at the bombers. I mean, throwing a shot out through three quarters can't say anything bad about that. I mean, we had the Owls had two receivers that had great games: Kalen, Jalen, uh, Julian Grant, and Austin Mack. Um, but these guys had 12 receptions for 244 yards. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fajardo passed for 270. I mean, literally, there were what five completions to anybody else. You know, and one of them was stand back. I mean, I don't know. We need to we need to get Chandler Worthy in there on more three receiver sets or something. I don't know. I'm going to have to look more closely at Fajardo next game. I don't know if he's just checking down every time. It doesn't seem like it because both of these guys are spreading the field quite a bit. So No, he doesn't yeah. seem to like to play the check down game. No. He seems no, to like so to I don't look know. long and then use his feet to get himself out of trouble instead of an outlet receiver. Or take the hit. And I, he took six sacks I, in this game. Yep. And I think you that know? plays into the fact that he gets sacked a lot. I almost want to go. I almost want to reconsider how he felt about the Ryder offensive line last year, because of mm. this style of play he has. Yeah, sometimes yeah. a quarterback can cause issues in his own backfield. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you've got the same guy as head coach. You've got the same, or you've got the same guy running the offense. Let's say uh, mm-hmm. that was in Saskatchewan last year too. So maybe the priorities aren't on the line because, you know, our boy Fajardo can take hits. And can, you know, and can on, escape enough and run around. And he doesn't have, he is not a classic front line. You know, he's not a classic sprinter type as a quarterback, no, but not at all. he's got good mobility when he has a chance to use it. You miss but a tackle on like- that backfield, you're giving up a first down. But there's but see what's wild is there's six sacks in this game. Okay, now I counted because this is one thing I did pay attention to. I counted. Three of them were within five yards of the offensive line, and three of them were deeper. 
right? So, so it seems like he's got that classic indecision thing going on. You know, he's, I feel like he's looking for these two guys. He's looking for his guys. And then if he can't find them, he's sitting on the wall, you know, it's trying to wait that extra second for them to free up. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. But on the other hands, too, I mean, if if they're coming right through at him, he doesn't have the juke move. He's not going to get out of a quick rush, quick pass rush. I mean, so we need more games against Hamilton. I think I might have to go back and look at the targets for rider receivers too last year and see if we're going to find a pattern here. That's actually that's a good idea. I think, yeah, that'll be my homework for next week. Before this next game. Uh, okay. And finally, wow. Wow. Nice game to close out the uh, week, at least for Toronto. Toronto Argonauts 45, BC Lions 24. Putting an early exclamation point on this first quarter of the season are the Argonauts. Now, this is the fourth time we've seen 40 points or more. The Alouettes put up 38 against Hamilton. Uh, first two weeks, Hamilton. Uh, first two weeks, Winnipeg. Second two weeks, Toronto. 40 points. Um, What, I mean, what more can you say about this Toronto team? I mean, I feel like this is now we're in Winnipeg Bombers territory. Um, What, if anything, is the chink of armor in this team? Is it just injuries? Is, Is that the only thing that can bring them down at this point? That could bring them down in a defense coordinator making Chad Kelly beat them. Mm. Now, the running game for Toronto has been better this year. It really didn't start out that way last year. It took a while for it to get going. They're rushing for many more touchdowns this year already. They're, oh, yeah. They've got that part of the game set. Yeah. Now you got to dare Chad Kelly to beat you. And Chad Kelly might damn well beat you. We don't know that yet because he's had, he's been in placed in excellent opportunities by his coaching staff and by his defense, especially this week. But if I'm a defensive coordinator, I say, let's make him beat. Let's make him beat us. You try to take, you try to take away the running game as best you can. I mean, you don't, it's a CFL. You're not going to put eight men in the box. You're just not doing that. But you kind of have, you kind of focus a little bit more on the run game. Take, make, Chad Kelly have to beat you with his arm. There were a few times where Chad Kelly got away with some rookie mistakes. The touchdown pass he threw, I want to say it's first or second. The one where he was basically at the sidelines and chucked it across his body. Yeah. Threw it over two Lions heads and hit his receiver. Yeah. Fantastic throw, but do that again. I dare you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but look, in the final analysis, the dude had, yeah, a couple of bad throws, you know, a couple right. a couple he got away with. But, geez, 23 of 29, mm-hmm. you know, for 249, not awesome. That's uh, 8.6, it says, yards per attempt. So not fantastic, but certainly not bad, not six, like the stamps were turning in. And uh, one touchdown versus zero picks, long of just 20. So, I mean... That's not bad. <laughs> no, again, like his if, if the worst put him in positions where he didn't have to win the game by himself, right. he just had not to lose it, and he did that very, very well. Right now, this is a model again. Like this is a model in the NFL to some extent in American college football. This is a model. You can do this. 
you can build a team that is awesome in every area except quarterback as long as you've got some guy that's halfway decent. Hell, I referenced it earlier. The Rams went to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff as quarterback, okay? I mean, like, you can do it if you're awesome everywhere else. And Toronto is awesome everywhere else. Ouellette is the best running back in the league this year. I mean, yeah, the offensive and the backup's line is not half bad either. Yeah. Or the third the stringer off- for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't needed him. They haven't needed Harris so much this year. I mean, like, no. geez, that's a monster this year. And the offensive line may be the best in the league. I mean, BC came into this game full of themselves after pitching a shutout, you know, and, and they've been awesome. They've been mm-hmm. awesome. I've been amazed at how great they've been, considering how few transactions they made in the offseason. They've been fantastic. They really hit another level on defense, but Jesus, not against these guys. <laughs> no, but they were also dealt a pretty crappy hand. They could have stopped a few of the few of the scores, but when you but when your offense keeps putting you in a hole, sometimes that's just not possible. Yeah, defense was on the field quite a bit for BC this game. Uh, Vernon Adams, I was talking about this in last week's podcast. Um, Came out, did the thing. Oz Davis's first rule of football, you know, any competent quarterback should be counted on to score at least one drive start to finish, usually at the beginning of a half. Okay, that's what Vernon did. But after that, it was all Argos. Vernon was soon flummoxed, throwing six picks. Six picks, a couple of them garbage time. Okay, you know, if you talk about garbage time touchdowns, you got to talk about garbage time turnovers. Okay, fair enough. But still, this was Vernon getting flummoxed. Eh. But I think, seeing what he's done earlier in the year, I think we can be confident enough that this is maybe a bump in the road. They're big favorites this week. So The one thing I do want to point out about that, yes, yeah, six picks is a lot. We've got guys like with career with Hall of Fame careers that have thrown seven. Oh, sure. So it's not... Oh, sure. Six is a bad number. There's no sugarcoating that. I think the thing that worries me more, though, is how. This wasn't Toronto going out of their way to make it make incredible plays defensively. This wasn't a diving pick or one-handed stealing it right out of the receiver's chest or anything like that. Um Tip ball that just happens to flop into the middle linebacker's hands or anything like that. Yeah. He was not reading the defense as well at all. There was one time they were in three deep zone, and I'm not a coach. I've never coached in my life. Uh, ben Grant could walk circles around me for over at Axis and Argos about how they do it. But I identified three deep immediately, and he threw it right to where the left side, the left deep defensive back was. He was just sitting there waiting for it. He he had his hot dogs out, campfire, just waiting for that ball to come yeah. to him. And there were a couple more like that, where yeah. they, where the defender defender's the only guy in the area. And he's just sitting there. Okay. Hey, you didn't see me, so here I am. <laughs> yeah, so, the ta- table set up with the checkered tablecloth and everything yep. <laughs> little candles candle one hand stick. and a hot dog one hand reaching up for the phone. yeah it, it looked it looked rough so i think the takeaway i have on that is that i guess you can get you can't you can possibly get in his head make a play early see where it goes 
Mm-hmm. I hope that's not the truth because I actually like watching the guy. And he was putting up fantastic numbers when oh, sure. he wasn't hitting the wrong team. Um, how many passing yards? It was up in the threes. Bunch of touchdowns, a couple touchdowns too. Receivers were making plays when he gave him a chance to. It's almost like watching 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 a teenager play a video game. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Toronto's good. Toronto's good. Toronto's good. That's that's a good team. The, it what what it, it occurred to me that they they just they looked smart out there. They looked prepared. They they were ready for this game. You know they were they just it, it was like they knew what Vernon was gonna do. And and you know Vernon had one of those last week where he threw into a crowd. He just got away with it. You know, he's going to have a couple of those a game where it's just like, where are you throwing to? I mean, I saw this guy for years in Montreal. It's just like, who was that for? What was the plan there? You know, he has a couple of those every game. It's just that, you know, in the past in Montreal, he's had these jags where this will happen. You know, one bad throw becomes five, you know, and it's like you've lost by three touchdowns, you know, so. We'll just see if it continues because in the past, this would have been portrayed as he goes to pieces and then, you know, Montreal loses the next two or three. So we'll see though. But he yeah. has, he has Again. a coaching staff out there. Yes. He has a good group of teammates out there. Yeah. That organization's got their stuff together. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he really seems to turn I could see them. I could see them putting it all the pieces right back together. Sure. Bouncing back like Winnipeg did this week. I just that wasn't that wasn't good from start to finish on that front. Um, I have to say though, I mean, we're talking we were talking about it earlier how Ottawa's had like one winning season in my lifetime. Well, guess who the coach was, <laughs> right? Rick Campbell. He can right. and he's got the lineage too. He's got the lineage to do it. He's got he's got he's got the um, he's got his own accomplishments. We'll see how they come back. I'm kind of faced that they'll be back though pretty quickly. Um. Okay, we're going to talk about next week's games. I just wanted to get this in really quickly. Um, there's a Facebook group that I follow called CFL Football at its Finest. Don't know if you saw this, Joe, because you might have been in the air or doing much more interesting things than being on Facebook. But uh, this week they 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 made a post, and it was something that I looked for it today, but I couldn't find it. But so it went something to the effect of if Quebec gets a CFL team, what will it be called? Would you like to weigh in on this one, Joe? I got nothing. It's not something, oh, okay. I've, it's not something was, I've wasted a lot of brain power thinking about. I will was, I will think about that kind of thing when somebody says they're building a stadium. Oh yeah, not yeah. Before, well, there were not, some people saying so. there were some people saying that too. It's just like, why are you even asking this? You're getting way ahead of yourself. Da, 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 da. Uh, because so, we like to talk about this and beat it to death. And well, of course. I mean, until Halifax gets a team, we're gonna talk about team number 10. <laughs> okay. So there were some good suggestions. Of course, the Nordiques came up. Now, I think they should go back to the traditional way and call them the football Nordiques. You know, like you used to have the New York football giants. I think you should do that to distinguish them from the late great hockey team, the Nordiques. Um, the Voltigers was also suggested, which I really liked. I thought that was a nice, you know, nice, good French reference there. But the champ, and I swear to God, I laughed so hard when I saw this. Somebody suggested 
The Rough Riders. Of course. <laughs> but it's perfect, right? In fact, I suggested that perhaps they should do it with a double space. Right? Since you've already had the rough no space riders and the rough space riders. Maybe now it could be the Quebec City rough double space riders. Or how about we just translate it into French and see what, yeah. that, what that comes up? <laughs> see, see, I, see, that's also what I was thinking is now that's a Francophone country. So at very least it should be Raides de Rof. <laughs> there you go. Done and done. There's your difference. I just, I'm sorry. Nobody else thinks this is funny. I thought it was hilarious. They got a couple of smiley face emojis on Facebook. So, but I just wanted to give a shout out. That was really made my day. Um, okay. So, we got a full slate of games this week. Three teams are coming out of the bye the Riders, Stamps, and the Ticats. Question for you is which one are you expecting the most change from, and which of these three do you expect to do the best this week? I think the most change we're going to see is the stamps. We're going to get Reggie Beg- Begleton back. Mark and Michelle is in town again. Um, won't have a lot of practice time, but he knows the game. So it probably won't be that much of a transition at that point. Uh, been in the NFL the last four seasons, I want to say, or yeah. thereabouts. So yeah. I could see a bit of a change going on there. I don't think you see much of a change from the Riders. They've been fairly successful in what they're doing. Um, yeah, I don't see any. I don't see what change you could have for the Ticats. <laughs> they didn't seem to make any moves, and they just something wrong there. Mm-hmm. Just something. Now- Something deeper than the surface. There's something definitely not connecting there. Yeah, they feel like Edmonton. We start the week. Now, here's the thing, because this is the main reason why I want to talk about this is because of the riders. The Elks, seven and a half point underdogs. Now, got to remember that spread because this is going to come back. Seven and a half point underdogs at Saskatchewan. Seems a little bit low, over under 43 and a half. But this feels like one of these classic CFL trap games, right? Where it's obvious the the favorites at home, they're coming out of the bye. Clearly, they're going to blow them out. Now, normally, I'd be skeptical about this one, especially in betting the line. But this is the Elks. I mean, is this seven and a half points justifiable. I, I mean, I think the Riders have got to win this game, right? The Riders are going to win this game. Is there any hope that the Elks cover this? I don't think so. I mean, let's go. Let's, let me go take a look real quick, but I want to say that they have scored. They, they have scored. Yeah, they've scored single okay, digits they, every game this year. No, they no, had. No, they scored 13 week one. Yeah. Should have won that game. But they couldn't <laughs> score from the one. Got shut out, then put up 31 against the Argos. But oh, that's right. But that was garbage time. Yeah. And then put up seven at Ottawa. Doesn't really scream success to me, does it? No, does it? Now, you were talking tears before. Saskatchewan's coming off the bye week. But would you put them in that second 
slash um yeah i guess it would be second tier yeah absolutely yeah they're probably yeah. on the top of that they're probably the wrong there team. that yeah. they're in the mix with calgary montreal, montreal. yeah yeah i mean i was gonna have to show me more but they have jeremiah mazzoli back if they can start being scoring consistently anyway their defense is good enough that they can pick off a few wins here and there. Then we'll talk about him being in that group too. But right now, without a lot behind that, I can't quite commit to that yet. Um. Okay. So yeah, maybe takes Saskatchewan minus the touchdown at a half a point in that one. But Saskatchewan for the pick'em game. Calgary Stampeders. So I'm going to make an odd prediction here, though. Okay. There's three teams that are uh, obvious favorites. The Riders, the Bombers, Bombers, and the BC Lions. Yeah. One of those three is going to lose. I just don't know which one. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'd be more likely to take Ottawa winning at Hamilton than any of these home teams losing. At least if you're talking pick em game. Covering, maybe. I'm, I'm, talking, but... I'm talking pick up game. I just feel like there's something. I feel like chalk is too obvious here. I know. You know what I mean? I know. I'm looking for the upset, but we got handed the upset last week when they gave us BC as a favorite over Toronto. That was the upset, right? I mean, that was. And it wasn't really. I know. I know. At the end of the year, that's not going to be considered an upset. They're going to be thinking it was two and a half the other way to Toronto. Um, You know, I. I just. I. You know, I I keep looking for the upset. I don't see it. I think next week is the upset. Because, okay, here we have Stamps, eight-point underdogs. Stamps are the biggest underdogs of the week at Winnipeg. Really expecting Winnipeg to bounce back from maybe not such a high-scoring, dynamic performance against Montreal. Certainly very good, but just not exciting. No, no. Um, they, game plan, they game planned that for the for the weather and for what they had on hand. They weren't scoring 40 that last week, no matter what. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, weather had a lot to do. In fact, you know what? You know what? And I got to say, I'm really sad about this. As soon as I saw that there was a weather delay, I was going to strip my team of Al's and uh, Bombers, which would have been a good idea (laughs) because I had a wide receiver who was watching his baby being born. So I wanted to do that, and they wouldn't let me. They wouldn't let me. They stuck to the kickoff time on fantasy. And I mean, even even at the betting site, I could have recalled my bets. I could have because it still hadn't kicked off. But the fantasy game wouldn't let me ch- wouldn't let me change it. I'm not gonna blame. And that's them. not even the worst thing that fantasy game has done this year. Like I, <laughs> I almost want I almost want to stop talking about it because it's such a freaking mess. Uh yeah. Poor Joe's been on a bit of a down during the past couple of weeks um, that even if i would even if i was four and oh right now it's the product's crap i'm sorry there are issues <laughs> there are issues i think you're just sore because bc lines defense got you minus one this week okay so <laughs> <laughs> i changed my mind at the last minute that was actually my one good play this week in fantasy, aside from Tyree Adams at quarterback, my one good play was I switched at the last minute from BC Lions defense to Toronto defense. 
Got a lot of points out of that. I should have gone with Winnipeg. That, that you but, would. Yeah, I should have gone with Winnipeg, but I didn't have the heart. Um, okay, so the Stamps are eight-point underdogs. Now, now I think that's way too high, but I've been getting burned on these cover the underdog plus the points bets. In fact, these are the only bets I've been losing this year. So, but I know that's my inclination. I, I'm going to stick with the chalk here. I'm going to take Winnipeg as the winner, but I'm going to take the Stamps plus the eight. I think they're going to be surprising enough coming out of the bye. I don't even know if it's surprising. This should be better than one and two right now. How much better? I don't know. I don't like them as much as I did last year. But they always give Winnipeg a tough, a tough everything they can handle. They've been like every game they've played for the last years, almost last year especially, were always coming down right to the wire. So. Yeah, I could easily see them covering eight. Yeah. I don't see, see them that, winning it, though. That's my don't. feeling, too. That's my feeling, too, because last year it was it was, it was like that Nuggets-Lakers series in the NBA. Winnipeg swept, but every game was close. Oh, yeah. A couple of them went down the final play. So I think Paredes had, a, had a, like a 53-yarder to yes. win at one point. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, so I'm going to – yeah, I think – you know, again, like I say, I've lost a couple of times on this this year, but I think winning, Winnipeg winning and Calgary covering is is the play here. Um, all right, here we go. Here's the game that everybody's waiting for, right? Ottawa Red Blacks, two and a half point underdogs. Honestly, can't believe this. At Hamilton. <laughs> now, okay, I understand. A two-game winning streak by Ottawa. Okay. Pretty unfathomable, this Ottawa team. On the other hand, um, the announcers in particular were all over the creativity of the Ottawa offense. They'll probably have a quarterback coming back who is not just a, we don't have game tape on him. He's played in the CFL before. Um, And Hamilton has shown absolutely nothing, especially on the defense. So I don't know, man. If you don't believe that the home team sweep, I think your safest bet is Ottawa wins. And I'm going to go Ottawa hmm. wins in the pick'em game. Why not? I think I'm doing that too. Really? Wow. Because okay. Hamilton's given me nothing to hang my hat on this year. Mm. There's no unit on that team that would make me worry. As a fan of the opposing team. Absolutely not. Ottawa's defense is good. I'm not going to sit here and say that they're the best defense in the league or anything like that. But they're a competent defense. They can do their job. Hamilton's offense, is it, it, it? it's just not there this year. Well, the and thing... If, and if Ottawa can put together two solid, nice, long drives with Mazzoli which he's fully capable of doing, I think they can win. I don't think it's going to be a barn burner. I don't know if either team scores 20, but I don't see Hamilton scoring enough to, out, to overcome Ottawa. See, but on the other hand, like like I said, the, the play-by-play guys were all over Kari Jones. They're like, wow, he's doing some really interesting stuff with this offense, You know, really exploiting the fact that Edmonton is listless. And that's the thing about Hamilton. That's been their thing last year and this year. 
Their defense is terrible. They don't rush the quarterback. They don't get turnovers. You're not going to win. used to be their M.O. I know. I the, it's almost like we're having a hangover from when they were a dominant defense from like right. the mid 2010s. Right. And it's just continued to be there. This thought that they're capable of that, but they haven't been. They haven't been since Winnipeg put the boots to them in 2019. That was the team that got to the Grey Cup and relied on their defense more than any team since BC was making it with Solomon Solomon Aluminium. I mean, they were a def- not quite defense first, but defense prominent team in the CFL. And that's the thing. It's, it's like this is another parallel to those riders teams, right? It seems like the bottom has fallen out, and now it's just they they're they're a they're a shadow of their former team. It's like they went all in on their defense to make those two great cups, and then and now they're paying the price. You know, they they mortgaged their their future on those teams. I mean, the sick thing is, is I don't see any way out. I mean, they've been playing like this for almost twenty games now. I mean, like. You know who's and and again, I think Kari Jones is smart. I am really starting to regret why did we have to lose him at all in Montreal? I mean, I don't understand what happened there. The mighty fell really quick in that case, and I just don't see it. I don't. I don't care if Hamilton's coming out of the bye. I, I think Ottawa's and and here's the thing that strikes me about Ottawa versus Hamilton and versus Edmonton. Ottawa wants to play. They want to play. They're playing fun. They're playing hard. They're trying. Again, like I say, I think they're outmatched defensive line versus offensive line in, in against any team in the CFL. But they're playing hard, and they're playing smart. You know, they're, they're not making dumb mistakes like Hamilton and Edmonton. They're, they're supporting their quarterback, whoever he is this week. You know, unlike Edmonton and Hamilton, you know, I, you know, I just in in a team that wants to play versus a team that doesn't look like they're interested in playing football. I'm going to take the excited team. I'm taking Ottawa. Ottawa. It'd be really nice to see if Bob Dice and Jeremiah Mazzoli could take this team from where they've been the last, what, five years, almost four or five years. Ever since the end of 20, the 2018 Grey Cup, they've been at the bottom of the league. It'd be really nice if this was the year, even yeah. if it's like at seven and eleven, even if it's eight and ten. Just Dude, to I'm show just sick of the crossover. Some, I'm just sick of the crossover. Just to show that they've got they've got <laughs> some they've got some fight left in them, and I right. think they, I think they've got that again. They need to beat Calgary twice this year. That's what needs to happen. They just need to beat Calgary twice. I don't want that crossover again, Matt. I come on now, Ottawa. Come on, let's do this. Uh, okay. I don't think I don't think we're I don't think that's a possible thing because I think Ottawa's already lost to them, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, they have. Come on, you're ruining my. No, they get I know the, they get they I get another that. they get another chance at that two weeks from now though. Yeah, yeah. Might be a good time to catch them. Um, all right. Finally, end the end the show with Montreal Alouettes, seven and a half point underdogs at BC. Now, this is kind of distressing to me because I feel like what they're saying is, is that okay, so 
Montreal is to BC as Edmonton is to Saskatchewan because they're getting the same line. And I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of hurt by that. On the other hand, you can't blame the bookmakers for being pragmatic. The Alouettes are going three time zones over. They're coming off of a three point game. I mean, you have to. And BC is going to have a is going to be looking to bounce back, just like Winnipeg was. Right, and and BC has a nice home crowd. BC loses and they score three touchdowns. You know, it's so it's like I don't know, man. Um, I want to say that the Owls cover, maybe they will, but I think the obvious pick is BC wins. DC wins. So. It'll think... probably hit the over under of 45. It'll probably hit the over as well. BC should gonna... be good for 30. So I'm gonna say the Alouette's path to victory is they're they're not if BC's got any sort of coaching staff, and they do, because it's clear that they know what they're doing. This week's installation is gonna be a lot less aggressive. Keep it short. Have a couple of deep balls where you have one deep option than an outlet. Don't put it all into Vernon's hands and say, "Hey, look, everything's going well. Let's go spin the scoreboard." Don't do this week. Let him get back, get his feet back under him. I think they'll do that. I think that'll help take the take the mistakes away, take the ability to make the big mistake out of the playbook. If they do that, I don't think they have a problem. Revenge factor? Everything is different in Montreal since Vernon left, but he might leave the franchise. They are telling Vernon. That's a that's a new that's the uniform the uniforms may be the same, but the people are different. Oh yeah. Just go and play your game. Don't worry about that other stuff. And I think Vernon's got the mental maturity to do that. If you saw his post-game press conferences, he was owning it. He was owning the fact that that was a, not his best game. I think he's got the maturity to come around, bring it back together, and go out there and look wonderful again. And that's important because Vernon Adams... And the BC Lions are now looking at a very at a very possible short-term future that is very lucrative because Vernon is now past the age where NFL teams are going to flirt with him. Okay. He's in the CFL. All right. That's it. He's not going anywhere else. And now he has a chance to really, like, there's no distractions. This is now his career. They've given him the keys to the car. This is the chance. And, you know, he could be with this team for two, three, four more years as a starter, and they could be a viable Grey Cup contender every year going forward if they keep this franchise on the path that it's been going now for the past few years in a very positive way. So we'll see. Vernon Adams is really the has become really one of the more interesting players in this league, hasn't he? He's been he's he's become the one to watch really week to week. Yeah, and that's been the case for a couple of years, but now he's at the he's at the controls of one of the three franchises that people think that 
neutral fans think can win the Grey Cup. I mean, there's always going to be members of every fan base that think it's their year. But people that are taking their team out of the out of the equation are looking at BC, Toronto, Winnipeg. Well, and we'll see if there's a somebody that emerges from that second. Yeah, later yeah. in the season. But right now, those are the three that have everybody's attention. At the one quarter point, your dark horse is Saskatchewan. Right. I think I think they're going to be there till the end. I, I this there's something about that team. That's yeah. I, the, the and, transformation and we'll from talking, last year is incredible. It's we'll start really... talking about real dark horses come about. Oh sure, mid August. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The season doesn't really start till Labor Day, right? Oh, at least it used to. <laughs> in any case, all right, Joe, you want to wrap this sucker for us? <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I'm wondering. I'm wondering which of these four because we we agreed on all four, right? This week. Um, I guess yeah, but you're looking for the upset. So I'm wondering where it is. I feel which like is the upset? One, there's one lingering there. I just can't identify it because I'd I'd have picked it if it, if I could find it. And I don't Jeez. think Ottawa Ottawa Hamilton is close enough to a toss up that I don't think anything there is an upset one way or the other. Okay, gun to my head. If I had to pick one upset. In the lot, I think I'd go the stamps. I think I'd go to the stamps. I think the bombers would have to have the game from hell, but I think any of these three big home favorites would have to have the game from hell to lose. I think Winnipeg would have the game from hell, but on the other hand, they've already had the game from hell this season, right? So they have, and it was <laughs> forced on them, right? BC was doing things that made them uncomfortable, right? I don't know if Calgary can do that. On the other hand, we saw that when BC had the game from hell, yeah. most of the wounds were self-inflicted. Yes. I think that's the difference between a very good team and a great team. If they can learn to stop, to not, if they can take the, take the, self, the self-inflicted wounds out of their, out of what they're doing, then they become even more viable as a contender because they have the talent, they have the coaching. Just take a take a few of those mistakes and put in that mentality of if you make a mistake, we're going to kill you with it. Mm-hmm. And there's no doubt they're the champions. I think they're the most talented team in the league. Yeah. Now it's really just can they can they overcome that final hurdle? And we've got 15 weeks to find out. <laughs> it's wild because there's still a lot of football left to play, but it feels like we've seen so much already. Except, of course, from Toronto, who has that bizarre schedule. <laughs> They've already had two buys. They're going to be done with their buys by week 11. I think they're honestly counting on them to win the East and so get that first-round playoff buy to justify it. Because Winnipeg had this schedule last year, if I recall correctly, right? Or or was it that you guys got your buy super late? I feel like I feel like we've had both in the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Because it, it seems like there was one year when you guys got three buys in the first like eight weeks or whatever. It might have been that shortened season 2021. But uh 
I'm wondering if they're going to start doing this going forward. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, champion, you have to play 10 straight to close the season. <laughs> you know? That's that's the new rule, just to make it a little bit harder. And for Toronto, it's justified this season because, wow, their division mates are a step and a half behind. In any case, all right, let's end it there. I'm Oz Davis for my co-host, Joe Pritchard. This has been the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.